Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Well, welcome to Getting Heaven in the People, a podcast crafted to help the local church focus its mission, not simply on getting people into heaven, but on getting heaven in the people. Because as Dallas Willard has said, if we concentrated on getting heaven into people more, we'd find more people than ever getting into heaven. Well, I'm Dave Ripper from Crossway Christian Church here in Southern New Hampshire. And this summer, I'm starting a new series of weekly podcast episodes based on a book I co-authored with my friend and mentor, Paul Borthwick, called The Fellowship of the Suffering, How Hardship Shapes Us for Ministry and Mission. It was released through our good friends at InterVarsity Press in May of 2018. And after all we've experienced as a church, a nation, a world the past two years, I believe its message is more relevant than ever. In many ways, the heartbeat of this book is about how heaven gets into people through suffering. How heaven gets into people through suffering. So why talk about this now? Well, as many of us slow down and unwind a bit this summer, you might have an experience similar to what I recently had. After the adrenaline of working and living and leading through crisis starts to wear off as we relax a bit, a whole lot of unanticipated pain and angst and difficult-to-process emotion started to well up within me, almost out of nowhere. These unwanted feelings were kind of like an indicator light on my car's dashboard being lit up to inform me I need to inspect my life like a mechanic might need to inspect my Subaru. So where do we begin dealing with these unanticipated, unwanted emotions that might well up in your life as you slow down and come off that adrenaline rush a bit? Well, when it comes to suffering, most of us default to one of two responses when trials come into our lives. First, many of us seek to avoid it. We avoid it. We busy ourselves, distract ourselves, or try to ignore our pain or deny it, sweeping it under the rug as best as we can, hopefully that we or no one else will see it. Now, if you happen to be an Enneagram type 7 like me, then an overall underlying default mode for people like us is the deep need to avoid pain. There's always a big temptation and pull for me to, to look for the escape hatch, of, to get out of a situation before bad things look like they're going to get worse. But if I do that, I can shortchange the growth God might want me to experience in the midst of an undesirable situation. So avoidance can be one way we respond to suffering. The second way is that we can obsess over it. Avoidance or obsess over it, obsession. If avoiders turn 
to turn suffering into nothing, then obsessors can try and turn our suffering into everything. We relive the pain and the disappointment over and over again and again. It's the lens through which we see all of life through. And if we allow this to occur, an obsession to occur, where we make our suffering everything, then inner bitterness can start to turn into a gripping resentment, which spills over into anger, which can flow from our lives in some of the most unwanted ways. Obsessors of suffering can unconsciously inflict pain onto the very people who desire to help and offer friendship in the midst of trial. It's been said that people want to be right and they want to be wronged. And when we obsess over our suffering, we try and keep the fires of anger lit within us. But the reality is, anger can never deliver for us what the love and healing of Christ can. So there's a lot of danger, both in avoiding our suffering and in obsessing over it. Think for a moment about your life. How have you responded to the suffering you've experienced these past two years? Through avoidance or obsession or maybe some combination of the two? This book and these series of podcast episodes that I'm crafting are for the intent to help you see that there is another way, a third way, and that's to embrace suffering, not avoid not obsess, but to embrace and to see suffering within its proper place of coming with the territory of following Jesus. So in the conversations to come, we're going to learn to approach suffering in a way that best honors God, at least from my perspective, by learning to lean into the Apostle Paul's message found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. Here Paul writes to the Philippian church, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul wants to know Christ, and that's not just like a mere intellectual knowing, but an experiential, interactive way of knowing Christ personally. And he can know Christ personally through the power of the resurrection, but also through the sharing of his sufferings or the fellowship of his sufferings, as we could define that word in Greek, koinonia. Now somehow, mysteriously, the pain that we experience can serve as an open door to a closer relationship with Christ a deeper solidarity with fellow believers, and it can serve as a catalyst for mission in the world. So before we talk about these dynamics, I'd like to read a poetic piece I wrote for the book, but really wrote for myself to help each of us begin to gently process some of the pent-up pain that you might be carrying right now that you may or may not even be aware of. So as you listen, 
I want to invite you to ask God to search your heart and draw you closer to him. Allow the Holy Spirit to turn your pain into prayer. The temptation is to believe you are the only one. You are not, but your suffering is unique. No one has suffered identically to you, so only you really know, and thus your path ahead is entirely uncharted, even if you're going through this with someone else. But we all have to cover our own uncharted territory. This is as inescapable as the seventh grade. Yet buried beneath is an almost ready, waiting-to-be-unearthed grace that says you can be engrafted into this uniquely same struggle. You actually already are. You're only now coming to awareness. This is the fellowship with me and him and her and everyone who has ever paid enough attention to notice for to be human for now is to suffer. I too, like you, have suffered greatly. The experience for me at least has been like a weight of clenching intensity followed closely behind by a full hollowness. Kind of like the sound your once filled home makes when you've just moved all the furniture out. It's like that feeling when something's over, only now you can't get over it, no matter how hard you try. So let me come out and say what you expect to eventually hear. There's no way around this. Why are you listening to this, you think? Fair point, but go, please go on. A wise poet has said, you cannot go around a desert. How I hate him for being right, but oh, how I wish there was a way I could show you like a hidden trail only the locals know. Oh, how I wish I could tell you that all you have to do is, or just try long enough and it will all go away and be all right right now. I can't. But while I can't end this, I can say this isn't endless. It might be days, months, years, one can never know. But no matter how long, there is this to remember. This is not all there is. This ache, pain, gnawing, suffocating, prostrating, wallowing, dying is not all there is. Mysteriously, Suffering actually says your life is not over. You are not finished. Why? Because you are worth all this trouble. If you weren't, you would probably just be left alone to mindlessly coast along in life. And where would that really get you? According to someone, somewhere, you are worth this all and all that will unfold. There is more. And that more may one day be you. Maybe that's what's going on. Because redemption always walks in your shadows, cries in your tears, plants in your ashes, rises from your grave. We don't know when, we can't imagine how, none of us has a clue as to why, but you are listening to just one voice among a multitude who can offer assurance. You will make it through. For beyond your distance lies a fellowship, a communion who have died many little deaths and one death to end them all, and yet live with stains and scars and the stories to prove it. Like pilgrims among ruins who unfathomably possess an otherwise impossible joy, I still can't wrap my mind around it, but I can't shake it either. So no, you are not alone. 
but are encircled by a fellowship of suffering rejoicers who have felt unmistakably like and unlike you do and have lived through enough together to agree. Where the sufferer is, there God is. Welcome to the fellowship of the suffering. Well, thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love if you shared it with others. If you're interested in picking up a copy of the book, The Fellowship of the Suffering, you can find it on christianbook.com or Amazon or InterVarsity Press. We'll be back with the next episode of our series on getting heaven and the people through suffering next week. And until then, may you know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings. Grace and peace, friends.